Seinfeld. The Andrea Doria is over, but we're just getting started here on the Seinfeld post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who have never been accused of having a big head. I'm Rob Cisprino. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? Oh, I thought for sure you were going with two guys who are not stab-worthy. No, definitely not stab-worthy either. Yeah, it would have happened a while ago if we were stab-worthy. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and we're not even like spoon-worthy. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways. All right. Wheels, how's it going? Going great. Uh, it, I mean, I, I, this podcast is like, uh, you know, taking me away from the fact that there's basically no more football, which makes me sad. Yeah. Only one more game. The biggest of the year, though. Yeah, but also kind of like the lamest. You know, if yeah. your team isn't in the Super Bowl, then who needs who needs to watch it? Yeah. Like, I'm already on to next season. I'm going down to the game with Tim Watley. We're sharing a room. He really should go to Houston. I mean, not for the Patriots, but I feel like everyone should go to one Super Bowl. Mm, okay. Well, next year. Let's go to next year's Super Bowl, Rob. Next year's Super Bowl. That'll be our three-month uh, reunion show from doing and finishing the Seinfeld podcast. Oh, yeah. We might have lost touch by then. We might not even like remember who the other person yes, is. Yes. Like, didn't we do a podcast way back when? Uh, we, the way we forget things after like a week, that's not, that's not impossible that we forget. Yeah. Akiva had asked me before the show, didn't we say that we were going to do something for this week? I, I have no idea. <laughs> like a poll or, or we had a question. I think you were supposed to ask your wife something about last week's episode also. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to ask her. <laughs> I was supposed to ask her if uh, that's really a thing, like what happened to Elaine. Let me text her right now and see if we get an answer back by the end okay. of the show. What's, what should I say? Okay. Is it true that if women don't have uh, a sexual encounter for a while, they what would you say what's i like how do i say what's the how do i frame this i'm are, trying to there's no <laughs> their their head gets it, it it's hard they their head gets cloudy with garbage bags yeah <laughs> and they feel uh dumber asking for a friend that's gonna give it away that she knows you don't have friends <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so uh we'll find out the answer to that Okay, and then uh, we're talking about the Andrea Doria today. A lot of stuff going on here. George is trying to get an apartment. Uh, we have uh, Jerry is uh, involved with Newman's mail route. Kramer is turning into a dog for some reason. And Elaine has a bad breaker-upper who says she has a big head. Yeah, there's a lot of storylines in this episode sort of fighting for the crown of like the A storyline. Mm-hmm. So we will crown an A story at the end of this episode. Oh, yeah, we'll separate them A through D. Yeah, that's, that's a real... <laughs> That's what they call in the biz, uh, like a tease or something like that. Yeah, there you go. Written by Spike Ferstein. And this is uh, the Christmas episode, I guess, for the 1996 of Seinfeld. Uh, yeah. I mean, you see the like the Hanukkah and Christmas decorations in the background of Monks, but that's about it. Yeah. There is no mention in the script of the impending holidays whatsoever. No, no. Listen, and I, they don't have to do a holiday episode every every year. I hate when like every show's like, oh, it's Halloween. We got to do a Halloween one. Let's mm-hmm. do an Arbor Day, you know, episode. Yeah, they basically like just had like Christmas decorations and monks. Yeah, no, I think that's fine. I think that holds up historically. Like, you feel the Christmas. Okay, all right, Keith. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into Andrea Doria? Uh, no. I see. You know, I see that uh, Chester tweeted at Sp- Spike Ferriston asking him why he chose the Andrea Doria, and Spike Ferriston, a little smarter than I thought, he knew to stay away from that. Yes. He liked, but didn't, he did not respond. Oh, he did like it, though. He liked the tweet. Yeah, although I see he hasn't tweeted since June, so I, I guess he didn't want to break his streak. Okay, there you go. 
All right. Um, and how are things with you and Chester? Good? Yeah, we're in couples podcasting, couples counseling. By the way, that could be a thing. Yeah. We shouldn't, you know, we should really start that. Yeah. Um, so podcast you couples be? counseling. You'd be the therapist and then you'd have on like people who are like co-hosts of podcasts coming in and talking about the other person. I think I'd be bad at it. I, I think it's a good idea, but I, I might have to like, you think you could do that? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. And then we'll have like two different. It would only be for podcast fandoms. I guess charge more if it was one of those like panel types. You know, there's like three or four people. Yeah. <laughs> and you could work out the differences. But then who is it your podcast or do they do they get to post the episode on their podcast? No, I think it's your podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just feel like we you'd run out of teams pretty quickly. So like which teams could we like like we could do like Doughboys? I don't know. I don't know how many like duos there are that really need like a lot of duos out counseling. there. Yeah. Yeah. So you think this has legs? We could do like 100 episodes of this. You could do 50 before I think it got really tough. And then you get people back follow ups. Maybe we go to like every other week so it doesn't get stale. <laughs> yeah. Or you could do the thing you could do like the serial thing where you do like 13 of them. And then they call it, season one is in the books. I hate when they pretend that it's season. Season is just like I'm too lazy to make any more. Yeah. Like we just got them in the can and that's it. That's it. And now we want more money before we do more. That's if, if you're not, you know, recording every week, you're not a real podcast. That's my hot take. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what it is when you just do a bunch and put them in the can and then call it a season. But yeah, I agree. It's not a podcast. You're like a radio show or, or like a TV show that without pictures or something. Yeah. You're like audio Netflix. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that, the worst weekly podcast. Is better than like Serial, which does 10 episodes and goes away for two years. <laughs> hey, you had Serial fans. Season 2 in your top 10 podcast of the year. Did I really? I think you did. There was one good episode. There was yeah. one good episode. And no, wh- I think it just I missed. I think it was on, I think it was on uh, also receiving votes. Okay. All right. So let's get into the Andrea Doria from December 19th, 1996. Our Season 8 non sequitur of the week begins with Jerry and Kramer and there is like some sort of a store that does not allow people to come in. I guess like some sort of like 7-Eleven type place and you can't bring any food in and Kramer seems to have a sandwich, a pretzel, a pastry and he's just trying to shove everything into his mouth before they go into the store. The thing I like about Michael Richards that's a lock here is that he's like a method guy. This this was for sure all real food and mm-hmm. he took 20 takes. Yeah. And he's just jamming it all in his mouth. And then Jerry says, oh, wait, they don't have batteries here. Yeah, but I, he, Michael Richards makes, I mean, you could see in this episode, like he's given so little, like a lesser comedic actor or, or really physical actor would have like been F minus in this episode. And he works his way up to, you know, better than an F minus at least. So do you think that Jerry could have really been able to tell that they don't have batteries in that store just by looking at it? No, I, I think that's almost like, uh, you know, forget it. It's like when when someone's mom says, like, ah, forget it. We're going. OK. All right. So we start with Jerry and George in Jerry's apartment. And big news. George is moving out. He found a fantastic new apartment. It's better than Jerry's. Even He calls himself Georgie, which I like also. Yeah, he's moving out. And Jerry is a little bit annoyed. And he really that we've uncovered something that I don't know if I realize like at the, you know, the airings of Seinfeld that I've gone through where uh, Jerry's apartment is not really that nice. And people are like, I guess when I was a kid, I was like, well, I guess, you know, I didn't know what a nice apartment was. Sure. I I never thought about it when I was a kid either. Like the first of all, apartment envy is definitely a real thing in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. But we've made reference to this, right? That just recently that that you know Jer- like oh jerry like you're not doing well right because you, you know this is not the apartment i'd expect a celebrity to have <laughs> for right but compared to my dorm room at the time like oh boy jerry has a really nice apartment well the idea of having your own place like even if you like lived in someone's basement 
when you were, you know, eight, that sounded like super cool compared to, you know, <laughs> like having your own room, but like living next to your mom's room, you know? Yeah. Uh, we find out that Elaine is on a blind date. They're calling it a setup because the blind don't want to be associated with those losers. That's a good line. That yeah, is a good line. Okay. And um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if that has gone out of style, the blind date. Mm-hmm. I feel like that we haven't discussed this before that the blind date might not even exist because of social media. It would be right. I could only imagine like pretend you're going on a date now and someone tries to set you up. Let's just set and even setups are, you know, maybe fewer and further between. But let's say someone is setting you up and you're like, hey, can I see a picture? I don't see her Facebook or it's right. private or it's a picture of Elmo. It's not her, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I don't see her Instagram. I feel like you would not agree to the date unless she at least sent you a picture. Right. Mm-hmm. So is it a is it still a blind date if you've seen a photo? Mm, what if it's like a bad photo? Like uh, they used to talk about like the angles. The, yeah, the, uh, th- I think that's a big thing. Also, like the you know, I have a picture, but it's not clear who I am mm-hmm. in the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one picture or like the only one that's visible on Facebook. But yeah. there's three girls and it's like, which one? Are, which one is she? Is she in the middle? Mm-hmm. Why? And if she's not in the middle, why is she posting a picture where she's not in the middle? I'm confused. Yeah. All right. So Elaine's on this date uh, and they're going to go to Jerry's storage facility. Do we ever get a reason why Jerry needed to go to the storage facility? No, but I, I could see Jerry having a storage facility only because he's so neat that it's like anything that's in his, you know, like that's not that, that he, he views as clutter would be like storage worthy. Mm-hmm. All right. So Jerry and Kramer are at mini storage and he rented out half of his space at the storage facility to Kramer. If you buy that, would Jerry actually do that? Yeah, because if it's too big and like how much stuff could Jerry possibly have? I don't think that's that crazy. I don't think it was Jerry's idea, but I'm sure rent is probably a strong word. Kramer probably owns half the space, but has never paid Jerry once for it. Okay, so he rented out Kramer half of his space to Newman. And so when they open up the storage facility, Newman has like a bunch of bags of mail that just all fall out. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't know why Newman has the upper hand here. <laughs> why? What do you think they should do? Just throw out his bags of mail? Just bring, I don't know, bring them back to his house or something or say you have one day to like, you know, get rid of them before you're gone. Mm, but he technically is subleasing from Kramer. Yeah, I don't know if there's like a contract that really would hold up in a court of law for Newman. Mm. All right. So we go back to George in this nice new apartment and uh, the tenant association woman comes through and says somebody else wants the apartment. There's a guy who was a survivor of the Andrea Doria and uh, he survived uh, what George says quite a fire and it was uh, actually a shipwreck. Keeve, do you know anything about the Andrea Doria besides what's in this episode? No one on earth knows anything about the Andrea Doria besides this episode. Like the... The the people who were in the Andrea Doria probably forgot about it till they saw this episode. <laughs> yeah. So is the Andrea Doria is not commonly spoke about before. I mean, this is in 1996. This is really uh, just before peak Titanic era. So it's, you know, odd that they chose this shipwreck. Right. Uh, but the Titanic's too famous, though. Yeah. It needs to be like a dorky. And I'm not, you know, I, I know that 50 something people were killed. 46, although the episode maybe says a different number. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it has its own Wikipedia page. It's not, like, completely anonymous, but um, it's not, it's no... It, it's the poor man's Titanic. The homeless man's Titanic, I should say. Yes. Uh, it took 10 hours to sink, as we will find out later on. Yeah, and it, it collided with another ship. It wasn't, like... Uh, it wasn't, you know, uh, some iceberg-type thing like the Titanic. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so Elaine is waiting at the restaurant for her date, Alan Mercer, to show up. Uh, she should have brought something to read. She starts to read the sweet and low packet, uh, reads about how uh, may cause cancer in laboratory animals. Uh, is anybody still using sweet and low, Keeve? Oh, I never used it, so I wouldn't even know. Are you yeah. telling me that it's gone out of business, basically? I don't think so. I feel like that the sweet and low packets are still out there, but I have to feel like that sweet and low usage has to be at an all-time low. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I would think that, but then I think the same about, like, diet soda, you know, where the, every day there's a new study that says it's bad, but it seems like Coke is still in business, you know? Yeah. I think this is like, uh, you know what this is? This is like... Uh, an L.A. thing. It's like, oh, well, no one in L.A. No, has it's not just low, an but... L.A. thing. No, no, it's not just an L.A. thing. Here's what here's what I want to do. Uh, let's I want to open a baseball stadium. OK, uh, maybe this is what they should do in Seattle because they have Starbucks. And then instead of like the sausage race, I think that we, we should have the sweetener race where it's like the bag of sugar, the bag of equal, the bag of Splenda, the bag of sweet and low off to the races. Uh, and you, you see how much everyone like each person get each one gets ordered. No, that's like uh, at the seventh inning stretch, the giant sugar bag, the Splenda bag, the sweet and low bag, and the equal bag run a race around the field. I mean, who are you rooting for in that scenario? <laughs> that, that's what that, we find out. I, I feel like there's just no winners there. <laughs> is it sugar? Oh, but that causes cavities. Oh, is it is it equal? Uh, you know, but aspartame. How do you even dress up like as aspartame? <laughs> well, you dress up as the blue packet. The blue packet, a yellow packet, a pink packet, and a packet of sugar. A white packet. Who is sponsoring this? I feel like one of these like Nutrisweet companies. Oh, Starbucks? What, like, why wouldn't they do like Vente Grande uh, other sizes? Well, all medium, the coffee is going to look the same. Not if one is like 15 feet tall and one's, one is two feet tall and one's like in the middle. Mm, I don't know. Look, I just wanted to, I was curious about the, uh, the sweetener race. Could you, could anybody pull it off? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Maybe in anybody, the minor leagues. This is not a major league idea. You're, you're, right. Like you're, probably like right. you're probably right. You're probably right. I'd love to know if any of our listeners are sweet and low users. Because I get it. Splenda, a lot of people like Splenda. A lot of people go, you know, the sugar. Some people go raw, sugar in the raw, like my wife. Uh, mm. That's where she goes. And, you know, some people are equal people. But I don't, I, does anybody use a sweet and low? I see. I'm also not a coffee guy, so I'm really, you know, I haven't had coffee in years. Why not? I don't know. I'm a tea drinker. I'm not sure, but I, I just, I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Keith. Well, yeah, you should really get onto the coffee. Um. All right. Fine. Then you convince me. I'll, I'll try to start with coffee. Okay. Uh, I have a text back from my wife. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> can you can read it on air? Yes. Uh. So I had again asked her earlier in the show if you're just joining us. Is it true that if women don't have a sexual encounter for a while, their head gets cloudy and they feel dumber asking for a friend? And her answer was, I think it's the opposite. <laughs> so she's a George Costanza. I got it. Yeah. So uh, according to her, that she feels like, and maybe that's what she's thinking over here, that the longer she goes, <laughs> the smarter she'll get. Okay. Well, she she's be, a doctor, right? Right. Uh, magna cum laude. That's right. I mean, yeah. so she's a medical professional. I mean, though, she's, you know, she, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, you should ask her if you're stab worthy. She'll be joining the cast of Scorpion as a super genius. I don't okay. get that joke. That's like a grandpa <laughs> joke. All right. Keeve, uh, so 
Elaine's date is standing her up that uh, he does not show up and she gets a message from the waiter again, pre cell phone, pre text message era. I'm sorry. Are you Elaine Bennis? Your boyfriend, Alan Mercer, has been stabbed. Who made this call? It's a good question. Like, is he he doesn't seem like a thoughtful enough guy to be like, you must call the lady. Call who's, my you know, blind date. To meet me. Yeah, yeah, there's no way. Yeah. So who made the call? The, the stabber? Like, who knew about this besides Maybe him? the person that fixed them up. <sighs> like, he calls her and's like, hey, you got to tell Elaine that I'm not coming. I was stabbed. Okay, that's not impossible. Well, especially no, what if, if it was friends. like, okay, his sister said, oh, you got to go out with my brother. Okay, you're my friend, Elaine. And then she gets the call. Oh, Alan's been stabbed. Like, oh, my God, is he okay? Yeah, he'll be fine. He's in the hospital. Like, oh, he had that date with Elaine. Let me call the restaurant and tell her he's not coming. Uh, I guess that's that's possible. Yeah, it's a one in a million, but I guess it is possible. Now, here again, Keeve, Elaine gets more bread from the waiter, as we'll find out. Didn't this same exact situation happen to Elaine when I believe she was meeting Jake Jarmel at the movie theater and then an usher or some manager at the movie theater said, are you Elaine Bennis? Jake Jarmel had to be taken to the hospital and she stops and gets Juji fruits. Now, yes. Yeah, so now Spike Ferriston did not write on, uh, for, you know, he was not writing that season yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if like it was an accident or like, it got, you know what I mean? Yeah. I always wonder, especially before you could just call these up uh, on the Internet whenever you wanted or the DVDs. If this is an, a mistake or they just went to the same well twice on purpose, we'll never know. <laughs> is this a thing in Elaine's? Is this part of Elaine as a, her character trait? When she gets bad news from a random stranger, she needs to get food. Right. Is it a mistake or or is this? or And if they do it twice, why not do it a third time? Right. Mm-hmm. Rule yeah. of three. I think it's a mistake. Yeah, I, I think you're right. OK. All right. So uh, we see Jerry talking to Elaine. She's telling him the whole story. And uh, she says, boy, there's something intriguing about this guy. To be stab worthy, I mean, that's kind of a compliment to get a woman so obsessed with you that she's willing to stab you. Yeah, women love the bad boys. Yes, that is true. And so that Jerry says, uh, too bad you didn't get shot. Uh, that'd be a real keeper. So Kramer that's comes in and Kramer looks at a sandwich that Jerry has purchased and he says something very odd. He holds up the sandwich and says, no expiration date on this. Like, why, who's ever said that before they, you know, walk into somebody's house and eat a sandwich? That is weird, especially since we know, I, I guess it's a callback to, uh, was it last week, where, where you know, Kramer had something spoiled. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it like, I, so maybe that's what it is, but it is a weird thing. I, I didn't even think about it. But yeah, that's a crazy thing to say. And Kramer doesn't even care about expiration dates, like, as a character in general. Right. So that is, a, that is you're, the setup makes no sense in service of the joke. That's funny. The punchline. Yeah. Which Jerry says uh, there is mm-hmm. now. So the, it's a great punchline. But the setup is just so absurd that nobody would uh, walk in and say that. OK, <laughs> so Kramer has this hacking cough in this episode and Kramer does not want to go to the doctor. He doesn't trust doctors. Uh, they botched his vasectomy, uh, which happened. Was that also earlier in season eight? Yeah. But, Keeve, we do have this other storyline that seems to be ignored of when Elaine had the problem with her chart earlier this season as well, correct? And yes. she was a difficult patient, and then Kramer had to go to her doctor and try to get her chart. Elaine and Uncle Leo and Kramer were all blacklisted by every doctor in the city, and Kramer had to go in the final scene of the episode with Elaine and with Uncle Leo to a vet. And so 
are we just ignoring that? Or did Kramer get such excellent service at the vet that he now only wants to be seen by veterinarians? Right. It would be a funny callback if you said, well, I can't go to a doctor. I'm banned. Mm-hmm. There's also the option that the possibility that Elaine is like super banned, whereas maybe uh, Kramer and Uncle Leo were sort of on probation. Right. But Kramer never mentions the fact of what happened and how he's already seen a vet. It seems odd that he would not bring this up at any point in the episode of, yeah, I just started. I had to go to a vet because I was banned. And I'll tell you what, they're better than a real doctor. Right. That would make sense. That would make sense. But again, uh, another thing that seems to be uh, a oversight. Maybe Mr. Ferriston. He was, you know, he was a little too uh, eager to <laughs> come up with nonsense here. Yeah. Okay. George comes in. They're not giving him the apartment. They're going to give it to this other guy that was an Andrea Doria survivor. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the idea of the idea of like someone on sort of like a second tier um, boat boat crash or whatever you want to call it is like an amazing idea. Yeah. And so the gang starts to talk about how uh, there was a song about this, and I guess there was. I don't have, know anything uh, about the uh, the song. I guess the, the song was it called The Wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald. That was a song by Gordon Lightfoot. Elaine thinks the boat's name was Gordon Lightfoot. But we have Kramer, who is the person who has all the facts, because apparently Kramer wrote a book called Astonishing Tales of the Sea. No, he has a book in his house. Oh, I thought he wrote a book. No, I think he just has the book. Because it's very confusing that he says, it's in my book, Astonishing Tales of the Sea. He sounds like an author. Yeah, but then he says, I have or I got Astounding Bear Attacks. I also got Astounding Bear Attacks. Yeah, okay. yeah. so it's, right. it, I hear what you're saying. But, uh, <laughs> I, I thought, I, I was like, oh, wow, this is a very interesting note about Kramer, that he's right. an author. Right, but he would have said I also wrote it. So I think we solved that mystery. Okay, uh, 51 people died, and George is, besides himself, 51 people, I thought it was like 1,000. And Kramer says, no, there were 650 survivors. Uh, And it's very funny when George starts talking about how that's not a tragedy. How many people do you lose on a normal cruise? Yeah, they have the survivor total right. But uh, who do you trust more, Wikipedia in 2017 that says 46 dead or Seinfeld in the mid-90s that says 51 people dead? Wikipedia 2017, 1,000%. Okay, so it's really 51. Yeah. I would wait, you know, to maximize the tragedy. Like it was not nearly as big of a deal as they're making it out. Yeah, they really just uh, embellished uh, the amount of people that died in that. And so we have then uh, Kramer is going to take George to uh, go and find out more about the Andrea Doria. Keith, would you go on a cruise? Have you done the cruise thing? Yes, I've been on one cruise. Did you like it? I liked it because my grandparents took my sister and I in the middle of high school. So I got to miss a week of school. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I liked it. It was automatically a win. I was annoyed I missed two Jack games, two home games, because mm-hmm. um, it's Sunday to Sunday, and both of them were, were home games. But they won both. I think they beat the Panthers 48-21. I was okay. Um, it was Thanksgiving on the cruise also. So okay. They have, the problem is they have all these like weird, wacky nights. You have to like, dress up and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a little cult. It feels a little culty. I feel like half the people on the cruise have been on at least like 50 cruises. Yeah. The people are cruise people. They're into it. But uh, it was fun. I would, I would definitely do it again. I suggest it to my wife, but she is not interested. She's like, well, I'm not going to you're not going to watch the kids. I'm just going to be chasing around kids and morning the whole time. They're going to jump overboard, which is like a fair concern. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's uh, is a fair concern. All right. So Kramer also lets Jerry know that he talked to Newman about taking the mail. Uh, Newman's not going to do it. He's not going to take his mail back out of the storage facility. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why, like Newman has any power here, but <laughs> yeah, he has a lot he of leverage. 
All right. So Jerry goes to go visit with Newman, and uh, Newman is depressed. Sometimes, Jerry, we don't get what we want. Newman wanted to be transferred to Hawaii. Uh, yeah, I like the, I like that the air is so crisp that uh, this, the, they, don't, they don't have to look at the stamps. They look themselves. Yeah. And so Jerry thinks that Newman has quit the post office, but that's not the case, uh, that he's just throwing all the mail away. I mean, really, after like Newman sort of defending, you know, being being like if I was a mailman and I saw like, oh, we're not really represented well on television. And then it's like Newman, he's kind of the bad guy, the heel of the show. But at least like he has some pride in in the mail. And this really just like takes it and and makes mailmen look to be like complete idiots. Yeah, it does seem as though there is a bit of a turn where Newman, I feel like in the early seasons, takes his job as a postal uh, delivery person deadly seriously. And now in the later seasons, I think we start a storyline where everybody's really half-assing it at best at the post office. And that might that might be sort of like emblematic of like, he was a little bit more fresh faced and into it. And a lot of people get sick of their jobs after a zillion years of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Danny Glover syndrome. Yeah. Whatever you said. <laughs> All right. So Kramer's at the park and there's a man who's walking a bunch of dogs and Kramer is coughing. And then we hear another cough. Kramer thinks it's from the man. It's actually the dog. We'll find out later that Kramer just gets this dog. Uh, yeah, it's not explained. It's very bizarre, but the dog he is borrowed his. that dog like somebody, mm-hmm. some stranger who's coughing in the park says, hey, can I just borrow this dog for a few days? OK, here you go. It was a different time, 1996. Like they didn't really appreciate their pets the way that we do now. I guess so. So you just borrow animals. I mean, you know, this week makes, uh, you know, this is an animal friendly. Uh, Peter approves this episode compared to next week's episode. That's for sure. <laughs> What's next week? We got the we got the little Jerry. We got cockfighting. Oh, cockfighting. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, can we get Michael Vick on the podcast next week? That would I think that would be the best get in the history of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we got Vick for the chicken roaster. Although, yeah. I mean, for the little Jerry, excuse me. Right. I, I, that would be incredible. Is there somebody else that's more involved with cockfighting? Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like that there was somebody that. Oh, I think Pedro Martinez uh, was uh, has like sponsors cockfights. He would be really good on the podcast also. Yes. Am I making that up? Pedro Martinez as a cockfighting ring? I'm not sure. Now, Vic, like he owed when he went to jail, he owed like twenty one million dollars. And like a lot of his wages were garnished. And I think he like either paid it off or maybe like paid off like 20 and a half million out of 21. Mm-hmm. So maybe he needs that extra half million. Maybe we could do like a have him on and say, we'll do like a GoFundMe. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. no one will give money because it's Michael Vick for like, but you know, what if we did? I, the problem is I feel like all of our animal activists would, would drop. No, podcast. we're out. We're, I don't want Vick. I want, uh, let's get Pedro Martinez. Okay. But if he's a cockfighter, what's, why is he better than Vick? Vick has like apologized at least. Yeah. Martinez. Um, and this is I alleged. We don't, we don't think, really know what Pedro No, well, the, the, I think there's a lot of stuff about I think Pedro Martinez uh, was in a scandal where he was attending uh, cockfights with Juan Marichal in 2008. There was a video posted uh, in the Dominican Republic of Pedro Martinez at uh, cockfights in the Dominican Republic. If I said we had to have one, Michael Vick or Shkreli, which one would you let me have? Uh, boy, I would take Vick uh, way before Shkreli. Well, I mean, yeah. um, Michael Vick, I mean, there's a lot more stuff that we can get into. Yeah. The, uh, the, by the way, I had the idea. People are and then, done uh, protesting Michael Vick. Nobody's protested Michael Vick in eight years. No, but there are people like, I mean, even last year when he was still playing a little, like every time he gets hit, there's like people cheering on Twitter and everything. Like he, you're underestimating how well, much cheering, uh, like sending a tweet is like, uh, I know, understand. how much energy oh, yeah. is that? 
Nobody's going out. In 2017, that's the greatest thing you can do. Yeah, like the there's most not noble one flesh and blood Michael Vick protester in 2017. I mean, it, maybe it's like sad at this point, but uh, <laughs> people hate Vic. I feel, yeah, we would get a lot of unsubscriptions if uh, if uh, it would be would probably more trouble than it would be uh, good. Yeah, no, the Pedro Martinez thing would have a whole different vibe. People would be loving it. I'm trying to see, when was the last time anybody even tweeted about Mike Vick? I don't think anybody is. Is it about animal rights activists? Um, yeah, but well, actually, no, the, he, it would be topical because we could get Vic to talk about the Super, uh, you know, the Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons and, uh, I mean, not, yeah, it would be. I mean, the problem is he'll be in demand this week. Yeah. Would right. we lead with the dog fighting or we uh, start with the Super Bowl? No, we start with the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's what you do. It's like when they come on to promote. Uh, maybe he's promoting a product. Maybe he wants to come on. Uh, <laughs> although I'm sure like he has a manager Welcome. who says like, I'm sure he has a manager who says you can't. Uh, you're not allowed to, you know, some PR person who says you're not allowed to ask any dog questions. Yeah. But I guess we're asking cockfighting questions. We're not asking dog questions. Yeah, it's like we're it. sort of like uh, going into talking about the episode. I mean, are we telling him it's a Seinfeld podcast? Oh, maybe we tell him it's a Seinfeld podcast, but we say it's like the Soup Nazi or something. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, no, we did the Soup Nazi last week. This is actually the little Jerry. But isn't he going to know that that's not the right order? Do you think he has like an episode guide in his head, Michael Vick? I mean, he might. I mean, he's not much of a studier. He didn't know the Jets playbook last year when they, when they <laughs> brought him in. <laughs> that was a couple of years ago. Pedro has very few followers, only 137,000 followers. So, like, he would probably see the tweet if we asked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to see. I did a Twitter search of Mike Vick and Seinfeld to see if there's any sort of uh, crossover. Yeah, I guess that would be a start. Like, if he's never seen it, I don't know. Like, he's probably not the ideal guest. Yeah. In 2015, Ian Rappaport said that uh, Steelers QB uh, would now like to be called Mike Vick. Uh, and somebody wrote back, that sounds like Todd Gack, Mike Vick. Oh, well, I- Albert Breer reported that LaShawn McCoy said he raced Michael Vick. And but then when they started racing, Michael Vick ran before the, the you know, he full started. He ran before the gun. And so he cheated so that he won't race him against. That's Seinfeld-esque. <laughs> yeah. OK. All right. So passe to protest Michael Vick in 2017. I, I want to know, would would our listeners rather have Chester again or Michael Vick? <laughs> <laughs> or Martin Shkreli. <laughs> All right. I think that's our Mount Rushmore of like, yes. <laughs> All right, so Elaine is now finally on the date with this guy uh, with, what's his name? Alan Mercer. And so um, she feels like, uh, okay, the, he's a little jumpy because she's like waving the knife around like a crazy person. A woman threw a drink in his face. It turned out to be coffee. I thought it was wine. Yeah, is it hot coffee though? Yeah, I mean, what does he have, an iced coffee in 1996? Yeah, but like he's, it, but maybe it's like, you know, cooled off. Maybe it wasn't like the second she got it. Because he's not like yelling and, you know, in pain like people would when they have hot coffee. Right. But he's reacting like, uh, you know, he's upset. I guess he's been there before, probably been there before. OK, so Elaine talks to Jerry. She finds out about Alan. He's a bad breaker upper. She can't be with somebody who doesn't break up nicely. Um, yeah, no, it's the most important part of the relationship. Yes. Keith, you think you would be a bad breaker upper? I'd like to think I'd be really good. I feel like I'd be much better out of relationship than in the relationship. Mm hmm. You know who's, uh, I, I think my wife is a, a bad breaker-upper. Uh, she says... From what I know about her, I think she'd be really bad at it, too. Yeah, very... She'd take you for all your things. worth, also. Right. Like, I think <laughs> I could walk away from, like, you know what? Like, um, Let's be friends. We, you know, if for whatever reason, you know, this didn't work out, you know, um, I have th- certainly things that I could improve better, and she would not take that tack. Be scorched. Well, especially her. if it was your plan, yeah, you, I would actually, like, fear for you. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That. But yeah. If it was her, then I'm not sure. But yeah, I feel like she might be a bad breaker upper. Mm-hmm. Like there would be. You got to win the breakup also. 
Right. She's competitive, right? She wants to win. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there have been times where we've had a fight, and then, you know, after the fight was over, I'll say, you know, that thing you said was actually, like, that, that really hurt my feelings that you said that. And she'll say, oh, well, like, I, I just made that up because I knew it would make you mad. <laughs> so, so she's, so you're like, you're, you know, you're doing like, uh, you know, like uh, third grade karate and she's doing like MMA on you. Right, right. Like, I feel like I'm trying to fight fair, um, but it's very, it's very hard to like uh, take the high road. It is hard, but I, I feel like I'd be a very good breaker upper. <laughs> you would you would why? No, why do you feel like you would be so good i don't you care would... enough about anything i mean like uh, you know i i feel like i would be good yeah all right well we see kramer with smuckers the dog uh they share the same affliction uh he's telling george uh he would take a vet over any md and george asks, are you gonna take dog medicine it's a fair question yeah and i don't think it bothers kramer I didn't like. Does dogs have pills? I, you know, I'm, I don't know anything about dogs. Yeah, medicine. they sometimes like have a big pill. You have to give them like peanut butter or put it like in cheese. But how did Kramer's rash get cured when he went to the vet a couple of weeks ago? I don't know, but I, I would think like it wouldn't be pills. I would think that they right. It's stuff that gets mashed up into the food. So I don't know what that would be actually. Mm-hmm. All right, so we see George with Clarence, the tenant that's going to be taking over that apartment, and he doesn't seem to have any stuff that he's putting in his apartment. It's also weird that he already has access to this apartment and then they could take it away. That's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. All right. And and it's up to him to go and like uh, like tell people. But so George ends up stopping at uh, Clarence's place to say, you know, um, you know, I heard you were on the Andrea Dory. <laughs> I think he's just uh, like, uh, ahoy, uh, which is funny to use a <laughs> nautical term with him. And uh, so he's really uh, taunting this guy. Yeah. The buffet the is the real ordeal. Yeah. And so basically, uh, he says, uh, is that what this is about? This apartment? And he said, you know, I don't really like you. Yeah. I mean, they don't make him seem too likable, honestly. Clarence or Mr. Eldridge or whatever his name is. Mm hmm. Yeah. And George tells him that the Stockholm may not have sunk you, but I will. (laughs) Pretty aggressive, honestly. Very aggressive. (laughs) It is funny when Kramer goes to go see the vet and uh, they're asking the symptoms for the dog. And Kramer is getting taking it very personally, thinking that the doctor is talking to him. And uh, the vet asks, been drinking from the toilet? And Kramer is like, no, no, what? Now that's disgusting. Right. I like that he doesn't ever realize like that. Oh, yeah, I just should be lying here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Elaine is going to break it up with Alan. And she says to him, you know, I'm sorry, it's not working. And he says, okay, well, see you around, big head. <laughs> I, I always wonder, you know, if you're a writer on this show, you have to come up with something that's like true enough that it makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, are you worried about the actor's feelings there? That Julia Louis-Dreyfus has a big head? Yeah. Like, if I say that, is she going to, like, be mad that I think she's a big head or George at the end thinking that he's chinless? Hmm. Yeah. I don't think that either of them are going to get too offended by that. I mean, okay. especially Jason Alexander. I mean, he's been called every single name in the book. I think that. Julia yeah, I would be more. Yeah, I'd be less worried about Jason Alexander, more worried about Julia. Mm-hmm. I think the move might be to go to them and ask them, like, what do you think we should put in the script here? And then get, have them give you something. Unless they really just don't care. Right. And, but then it'll like be the awkward. The writer just really doesn't care what the talent thinks. Right. Uh, right. But it would be awkward if she was like, you know, I have like a big nose. And be like, yeah, you kind of, you know, or like, or either say like, no, your nose is great. But mm-hmm. if you want me to use that, that's what I'll use. Or it's, you know, or the opposite where it's like, really? Like, no, let's use something else that, that, that you know. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I wouldn't want to be the one. I would say like, hey, Larry, you got to go over there. Or I guess Larry's not there anymore. So Jerry, you got you to gotta go over there. You know, you're the one. You're the showrunner here. You got to tell the, the talent that she's got a big head. Okay. So we see George and Jerry and they're talking about how, why don't you just tell the tenant board the tales of Costanza? And George says, yes, that's great. I could go bummer to bummer with anybody on the planet, which I think is a very funny line. It's also funny that like typically what George does in a scenario like this is lie. Mm-hmm. But like he's accrued so many terrible things that have happened to him that he actually just tells the truth here completely. Yeah, he can go uh, full truth. It's very funny that Newman shows up at the door and then Jerry opens the door and says, uh, excuse me, can you give me a minute? I'm with somebody and slams the door back in his face. Yeah. <laughs> OK. And then finally, George uh, finishes up with Jerry and he leaves and then we bring uh, Newman in. And so apparently the guy who was hoarding the catalogs uh, for Victoria's Secret was the guy who's going to also get the my, the Hawaii transfer. So that's off the table. And so um, there is a possibility that Newman could still get that Hawaii transfer. Um, I, I didn't know the post office transfers like that, but no. like, I feel like it doesn't. We, we really need a post office correspondent. We, we've never really gone in, in depth on post office, but if you yeah. are a postal worker, let us know. I don't think Seinfeld cared enough to have a post office correspondent in season eight or any of their seasons so i don't know if we should sweat it too much okay yeah to take it if you're if you're a mailman keep it to yourself don't let us know <laughs> well you could let us know i think we do have uh people that uh do work for the postal service that listen oh i'm sure yeah yeah uh that's a good job for listening to podcasts i would say it is but they may because it's like a government job they may have rules i don't know if you're allowed to wear headphones like have you ever seen your mailman wearing headphones i have not but believe me i get mail from or email because they, they don't they that you know they may not like to use the the email uh because it's the direct competition to the letter but they tell me that they're listening to these podcasts okay uh, if you're if you're a male person um let us know if you're allowed to wear headphones because i'm actually very curious about that yeah what do you think they have to, like walk around with just like the thing in their pocket with like uh this speaker on I mean, I guess if you do it wirelessly, like when you're going to get caught, is someone really going to tell on you, especially no, if you like they got headphones. Up? Trust me. I'm not positive. Yeah. OK. Well, what, you think I'm lying about this? No, I don't think you're lying. Oh, you mean you've seen them with headphones? Yourself. No, I'm telling you, I get testimony from these postal workers. Oh, I hear you. I'm dumb. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, tell me. But are they allowed to is a better question. Yes. That'd be a better okay. question. But tell us anonymously if that's against the rules. Oh, for sure. Um, but it's really like that for so many jobs, like so many jobs would be tolerable if you could just wear headphones. Yeah, you could do almost any job. Yeah, I, I would like take like the worst, most boring job if I could just listen to podcasts all day. It is true. It, yeah. it would actually be better. Like I never have less than 20 podcasts in my queue. And I just don't know like when that would ever stop. And like a couple of them are like six hours or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would much rather do that job than like have some job where I couldn't listen to podcasts and had to like uh, really have a lot of interactions and transactions. Interactions with people. That sounds <laughs> like a nightmare. Definitely yeah. not that. <laughs> All right. So uh, Jerry and, and Newman are having this conversation about what does Jerry need to do to make this happen for Newman? And uh, Newman's ready to give up and says, the dream is dead. Uh, and Jerry says, you can't let this dream die because you moving away is my dream. Is Newman playing Jerry here? No, I don't think so. Because usually he, if he was playing, then he would sort of like l- run away and like laugh maniacally. That's true. 
But, well, there's two questions. There's like, is Newman faking this to get Jared to deliver the mail? I think the answer is no. There's just no proof of that. Too long of a con. Too long of a con. And also, why would he end it before Jerry's delivered these bags? Like, why would he get that phone call and not lie about it? Mm -hmm. But is he pretending to be, like, too lazy to do it so he gets Jerry to do the work? No, because uh, that he's not happy with the work Jerry does. Like, uh, it's, I, I don't think that's the case. I think Newman was happy to just let those bags of mail sit forever. I think you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Jerry tells Newman, whatever it takes, as long as it takes you away from me. Um, yeah. I like when Jerry gets, like, all alliterative. <laughs> all right. So... Jerry is getting the download from Elaine about being called Big Head. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to her. Uh, George calls up from the payphone, and he uh, is not going to be able to have lunch with Jerry and Elaine. So no coffee shop for Elaine. Um, yeah, he's going to be heard for yeah. his uh, Andrea Dory hearing. So Framer comes in, he coughs in Elaine's face, and he does not want to take his medicine. And so... We begin a series of gags now where Kramer is going to practically be a dog. I don't know if this is part of a sickness or how we really explain this, but do you like this, um, these jokes here, Kramer is a dog? Well, first, I want to say that, like, I don't know anything about my wife, like, what she... We know. You know, I never know, like, her tone, but I can always tell exactly by how you phrase a question whether you like something or not. Yeah. You know, so I could tell just by your question that you don't like this. I just think that's not, this isn't Seinfeld. I don't know what show this is, mm -hmm. but it's a little too wacky. So I'll say now that I was thinking about this today. I like the other three storylines a lot. Mm -hmm. So now I think the question ultimately, as we're going to like get into like how this episode fares historically is like, is this to you just an eh? Which is okay. You can have three goods and an eh. Or is this sort of disqualifying in terms of making this a very good episode? I don't think it's disqualifying. And I think it's actually performed well. And I think. In a yeah, that's vacuum, what I said at the beginning. Michael Richards are funny. Mm -hmm. But to me, Seinfeld, a show about dealing with sort of like the everyday annoyances and little mundane minutia of life, a, a, per, a guy who is going to the vet because he doesn't want to go to the doctor, but then is also turning into a dog is uh, really, uh, it's funny, but, you know, I, I feel like that this is uh, not, we've gotten away from the core mission statement here. Right, and, and re perhaps gotten away from reality. Yes, yes. It's just, a, you know, it's, we've, I, this is, uh, you know, be, not even, like, possible to be realistic at this point. Yeah, too silly, I agree. And Kramer's actions don't even have unless you're telling me like that Kramer whatever is is bothering him he is actually turning into like uh the behavior of a dog like um it, it's just like uh it's funny but you know whatever I don't want to spend too much too much time on it but Jerry has to uh, make Kramer try to take this pill the same way that you make a dog take the pill um which is again is funny and then uh Jerry is getting Kramer to go and take a ride in his car by like jingling the keys yeah, I mean, he's literally a dog, like, by the end of the episode. <laughs> like, why is he sitting in the back? Yeah, yeah, again, we're, I mean, we're just doing things for the lulls, Keith. Yeah, which I guess is, you know, it's fine, but again, that's not, that's not really the MO of the show. Yeah, here's what I would say. I think it's more of a cheap laugh uh, and, you know, a gag more than it's, you know, a storyline that is, you know, relatable and there's, like, some truth there. Right, it's more of like a Family Guy 
you know, call away flashback type thing than a Seinfeld thing. Yeah. All right. So Elaine is in the back of the taxi and uh, the taxi driver is politely asking her to scoot down because uh, her head is blocking the way. Why can't she move right or left, by the way? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense why she's sitting in the middle of the taxi cab. Like, I don't know why she doesn't just sit on one of the sides. Yeah, nobody sits in the middle because then you're like, you stop, you stop short. You stop short with me. Right. You stop short. And then she's like going up, you know, th- flying through the windshield or something. <laughs> So Jerry is driving around and he's got Kramer in the backseat and Kramer is like acting like a dog and he knows that he is not going to what the park is that where they thought they were going yeah yeah uh, and he can tell that he's Jerry's trying to take him to another doctor to go to uh, get some real treatment yeah and uh, he literally runs away yeah. Uh, and Jerry is like uh, screaming for him to come back like he's a lost dog um, in monks we see Frank and Estelle. Only in this one scene, but it is uh, some great Frankenstein stuff. Yeah, they do. They do uh, a really good job of knocking it out of the park in their one minute here. Yeah, George wants to know stories from his childhood, and they're arguing over Frank doesn't want to sit at a table. He didn't take the subway all the way into the city to sit at that table. He wants to sit in a booth, and Estelle is feeling drafty. Um, yeah, I mean, this is like uh, you know, it's crazy that George even needs this to like. Uh, really juices memories yes uh i don't think he uses any of their stuff but uh, you know it's uh you know he's gonna look at everything i feel like he had to you know we only see a few of his examples but he had to go into great detail about his parents because that's one of the key parts of his story yeah all right so we see now the tenant board is going to sit down and uh mr eldridge is going to tell his story from the andrea doria and everybody looks like uh, kind of inspired by his story not really like they're crying or anything like that yeah, kind of nonplussed. Yeah, he's moved them a little bit. Um, Jerry goes back to Newman's place, and then we see that Kramer has bit Newman on the ankle. They got into an argument, and now Kramer is biting people. I mean, he's a, he's literally a dog at this point. What are you guys yeah. doing? Would you turn into a dog if you took dog medicine? I mean, you might start doing a couple dog things, like foaming at the mouth. <laughs> I don't think you'd start barking. No, I don't think so. I don't think you would take on the characteristics of a dog. Uh, so Newman is hobbled. He wants to, could Jerry deliver the mail? Yeah, this also seems a little excusey to me. Like, Newman's just lazy here. Yeah. So you think he couldn't even make it on, especially if this is his dream, you would think that he'd be able to at least, you know, try to, like, uh, grind it out. Also, what are the stakes here? Like, why is delivering this mail going to get Newman this job? Um, because if they look at his record and see a lot of people didn't get their mail, you're right. There's no way that like in a day they'd be able to say, well, Newman's been doing a good job lately. And it's like, oh, everyone just got the mail from two months ago. Then now they're they're fine. Like all Newman's complaints have been closed. We're good. Mm -hmm. And so Jerry says he could deliver the mail and Newman scoffs. He laughs in his face. You can't deliver the mail. And then Jerry is like, well, why not? And Newman answers him. Well, I guess you're right. It's just walking around and putting things in boxes. (laughs) Really destroying the whole profession here. Guys. Yeah. All right. So we end up with Jerry then doing the mail route. Um, He's giving mail to somebody and it's on Sunday. Actually, Jerry does say to somebody, Merry Christmas. So that is our one uh, throwaway line to Christmas. And then Jerry hands a bunch of mail to a homeless person. And you feel like, oh, Jerry is screwing it up. We'll find out later. That's still pretty good. Yeah. No, he did a good job. Too good. Too good. Too good. We'll find out. All right. Uh, So in front of the tenant board now, we get a little bit of a, um, not quite a montage, but like a little bit of time passing of George telling all of his stories from 
the history of Seinfeld, uh, some of his worst stories. Let's, let me give you the list of what he's talking about and then see if he left anything out. Um, he describes the time that he was handcuffed to the bed uh, in his underwear, basically the events of the subway. Yeah, that's, that's definitely got to be up there, although it makes him look pretty bad. Yeah, I, maybe he sort of like uh, left out the part where he was trying to have sex with that woman while he was going yeah. to a job interview. Right, and like also like, Who's go? Which strange woman's going to a hotel with you? Like, is she a prostitute? You know, I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, he then tells a story about how that there was a woman who seemed interested in him, but she was a Nazi. Yeah, the limo. That's uh, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he talks about how a time that he'd gone swimming and it was very cold, and when he dropped the towel, there was significant shrinkage. Yep, that's. I mean, that's embarrassing. I don't know if I'd tell that one in public, but that's a good one. Yeah, that's Hamptons. Um, then he tells the events of the Marble Rye, which yeah. I feel like that maybe that's uh, he could have done better. Well, it's not done better. It's like you were the one with the fishing pole there. You were acting like a crazy person. You, you <laughs> should be the victim in more of these stories than the perpetrator. Right. Uh, and then he says that, you know, there's no embellishment, that this is just simply horrifyingly the story of my life is a short stocky slow-witted bald man yeah and he he forgets like the the dessert is should have been like the main course like he leaves out by far the most important thing mm-hmm, right uh, he says, oh yeah i forgot to mention uh my fiance died from licking toxic envelopes that i picked out okay yeah, and he's again. a recent widower he should get the sympathy for that yeah he drops the mic um can you think of anything else that George should have told them? Yeah, I think being hospitalized in in like an insane asylum and like the the how like the, he she, you know the girl always thinks that he is crazy when he's not mm-hmm. is interesting. The problem is, does that all of a sudden make him seem like the crazy person? You know, like the crazy person. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that he was wrongfully institutionalized. Right. But again, a lot of people probably, you know, everyone who's institutionalized probably said that they're wrongfully institutionalized at a point where yeah. at least some people have. Yeah. Um, so, that you know, I, I, that's bad. Um, but the one, the contest is the one that he's really missing here, right? Which part? That he sent his mom. I, I think you oh, don't mention yes, the contest. Busted, you say you, got, yeah. you, you, you sent your mom to the hospital because she, you know, and you could change up the story or something, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. she walked in on him with Susan. You know, they're not checking the timeline of this. Yeah. Something like, you know, and, and sent her to the hospital. Yeah. Maybe kill her off in the story also. <laughs> I think that that's pretty good. Uh, anything about the, his pilot not getting picked up by NBC? No, because that's Personal almost problem. cool. Yeah. That's like, you know, I mean, he, if he explained why, that's one thing. But like, oh, I got this, you know, my fiance fired because I, I kissed her at the meeting. That, that's worth it. Uh, the bubble boy that he almost gets the bubble boy killed. That's not, mm-hmm. you know, but again, that makes him look bad. Looks in bit makes him look bad. Okay. Uh, Jerry comes back to Newman. Says, what do you do about pictures that say do not bend? And uh, Newman sort of laughs about that. But then uh, he gets the phone call and he finds out he did not get the transfer. It turns out that there was a problem that they knew he didn't deliver the mail. Too many people got the mail. Uh, Jerry beat the 80% mark for the mailman and uh that's like a three minute mile it would be funny it hasn't happened but if like someone you know if this was dated because like people were now running three minute miles but they're not Mm -hmm. eventually will it be dated (laughs) maybe in like a hundred years okay i don't think three minute miles possible without like some real you know unless we get jetpacks or something (laughs) 
So Jerry says that he tried his best, and that's where Newman really takes exception to this. He says, you're a disgrace to the uniform, and he rips the patch off, and Jerry says, you know, this is your coat. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> okay. So uh, we see Elaine in the park, and uh, a bird has flown into her head. I like the guy on the park bench. I think that was yeah, he seems, like, he seems like an all-knowing type of like old-school 90s movies guy. Really wise uh, person, uh, seemingly. And he's never seen that before. So we see George at the coffee shop, and uh, he is really confident that he got the apartment. Yeah, he's ba- yeah. It's, to him, it's a formality. Like he's sure he got it. I mean, his story was pretty epic. And Elaine comes in, and she's got like, uh, what would you say, a kerchief? Uh, I I wrote a shawl in my notes, but I know nothing about anything women's mm-hmm. clothing related. Yes, and they ask her what she's doing. And uh, she's trying to uh, tie her hair down because a bird ran into her giant freak head. Um, she's a walking candy apple. <laughs> Do you know, like, the women's hair product names? Mm, like what? I like any of these, like, I don't know anything past, like, a ponytail. I mean, if you showed me, like, flashcards of, like, different things, I could probably say what they are. That's always, like, you know, I have two daughters. It's always my biggest fear. Like, if something happened to my wife. It's like, I wouldn't know what to do with the kid's hair. Yeah. Although I guess my, my oldest daughter is old enough. She could probably just do all the kid's hair. Go like, on YouTube or something. Yeah. <laughs> like getting them dressed. My kids would, would like show up to school. They'd be wearing like pants as a shirt and, you know, like a bandana as shorts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. That's a thing. That's a thing. The one, I think one, the first time I ever got one of my kids dressed and sent them to nursery school, I do think like they were wearing like inside out pants. Like it was a disaster. And right. they, my wife got a text from like the teachers like, oh, dad must have dressed this kid today. Yeah. I it's a thankless job because when I get involved and I'll get my son ready for school, then, you know, inevitably my wife will come out and look at him. That's what he's wearing. Yeah. Like, you know what? <laughs> then no, thank you. Then you know what? If you know what, to, if you know what he's supposed to wear, then you put it out. OK, well, that's what I, if my wife made me do it, um, I would say, like, all right, you got to lay up the clothes the night before or something. Right. Right. Or I don't want to hear it. OK, uh, so. We see then uh, that Elaine is uh, going to meet up with this guy and just let him know how none of this bothers her. Yeah, I think this is a real example of the lady doth protest too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that, you know, is going to laugh it off uh, maybe or maybe jam a fork in his forehead. I mean, they make they do it. He's really well cast. They make him seem like insanely unlikable. Like even mm-hmm. his name, yeah. you know, is 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 like, uh, you know, really punchable. Yeah. <laughs> so. Elaine is back out with Alan, and so uh, he's trying to apologize, and, uh, you know, she says it was no big deal, and he said, okay, so what? You have a big head. It goes well with that bump in your nose. Mr. Passive-Aggressive here. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess that's just aggressive, but uh, does she even have a bump in her nose? I don't think so. I don't think so. And so (laughs) Kramer is walking by, and a woman comes out and says, "Uh, hurry up. There's a problem. Uh, tell the police that a woman is going crazy at the old mill restaurant. <laughs> Trouble at the old mill. Trouble at the old mill. So Kramer goes to the police officers. He can't talk. And he's like basically like barking with his coughs uh, and tells them trouble at the old mill. Oh, my God. Good boy. Lead the way. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Lassie joke is funny. We go a long way to get there, Keith, but it is yeah. a funny gag. Um, yeah. Um. Fun fact about Lassie, by the way. What's that? Oh. What? No, 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 no. I'm not killing off any dogs here. We haven't done that in a long time, by the way. We stopped. Yeah, I mean, save going. it for the Mike Vick podcast at the very least. <laughs> oh, no. Too soon. Too soon. Um, Sorry about that. The, the, before, you know, the, the Super Bowl is uh, next week, 
And we were talking before this uh, show about like shows that come on after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and so Survivor, the show that you were on, in fact, mm-hmm. an episode you were on. Yeah. Right. Debuted right after the Super Bowl. So that's the only in the in the like, let's put a big show on after. That's the only show ever to um, to debut to have two, you know, to be on more than once after Super Bowl. It's been on two times. But before that happened, it used to be Lassie a lot. So Lassie is the other show that's been on multiple times before this after the Super Bowl. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I've never have you ever seen Lassie though. I've never seen it. I mean, I used to watch it like uh, it used to be on like Nickelodeon. Yeah, Lassie and Timmy. Yeah, I wasn't a big Lassie guy. Um, was it black and white? Yeah, yeah, I'm out on the black and white stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, we then see that George is thinking that he's going to get into his apartment, but oh no, here's Alan Mercer, the new neighbor, um, and the big head guy. Here he is. And so he slipped $50 to the tenant board. Yeah, pretty smooth move. Yeah. And he thought it was because they felt bad for him because he got stabbed and got coffee thrown in his face. But he just gave 50 bucks. And uh, he says, uh, tough luck, chinless. Yeah, it's a nice way to tie two of the storylines together here. Yeah. All right, Keeve. Uh, and that's it. That's the Andrea Doria. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So a lot of fun stuff here throughout uh you know this to me is not one of the most memorable Seinfeld episodes that I don't know how many times I've seen this but uh it was very unfamiliar to me on the rewatch um it's it's a weird episode in that like for example the Jerry Newman storyline which I really like but like that really doesn't intersect at all with the other storylines right right other than Kramer biting Newman yeah right very off screen like it's it it's that's like standalone and then, you know, the dog Kramer storyline ties in at the very end to um, to the Elaine storyline. And obviously in the last scene, George's Andrea Doria ties into Elaine's with the with the with the bad breaker upper. But it is it's almost like a few standalone plots sort of smushed together a little bit at the end. Yeah. All right, Keeve. Well, why don't we grade out and then rank who had the A, B and C storylines? Uh, for this week uh, why don't we start with Jerry who has to become a postal carrier all right so but now we're just saying what's like the a storyline not best but like the key one or most prominent yeah I mean I I think that in terms of the overall like who gets the most airtime I mean the episode is the Andrea Dory I think that counts for something I think that George is the a well I think if the episode wasn't called the Andrea Doria that's like the funny B storyline Hmm. And the A storyline is sort of the the Jerry Newman thing, even though it doesn't tie together at the end. And then like sort of the show stealer is like the bad breaker upper, which maybe is like the fun catchphrase that people might remember from the episode. And maybe the episode I think should that's be called- the catchphrase, but I think the show stealer is Kramer as the dog. I feel like that that's like the, you know, sort of like the biggest laughs are probably from that. One of the reasons why I like this episode, I think a lot more than you is because like all four of these and again the Kramer thing it is unrealistic even though as you said it's funny in every scene it's all four of these like there have been very few episodes that have all four characters doing different things that are as like interesting and prominent in the episode as the Andrew Doria mm-hmm. yeah and I think that the thing that you have here with uh, this episode is that you have such a talented writing staff and crew and and cast um that they could make almost anything funny. But I think it's just a question, like a philosophical question of, like, should we be telling this story? It's a fair question that yeah. you're asking. Very fair. Um, okay, so yeah, I, I don't even know how to rank them. Okay, let's well, let's yeah, just grade too, them. Too hard, too hard <laughs> to do. Sorry. Okay, we'll just give out an MVP of the episode. 
Um, okay. So how about Wait, are uh, we giving an MVP of the podcast? An MVP of the podcast today? Hmm. Um, well, let's let's give it to Nicole for texting back quickly so we okay. didn't miss that. Yes. Texting back quickly. Okay. So uh what about Jerry as the postal delivery person? Uh yeah. I, I think I'm gonna give it an A. I think it's just a funny concept. I like the scene where he's delivering the mail. Um if in a world with A pluses, I'd say it's an you know, I'll say A minus because there's no A pluses. So A minus. Yeah, I'll say it was a B. I think it really doesn't develop until like midway through the episode. So I'll say that the part where Jerry is becoming the mailman is is funny, but I feel like it, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough for me to give it an A. Okay. All right. What, what was next? George and the trying to get the apartment. I, I almost wish that he had gone on more with his story. Mm-hmm. Like I always forget that it's really only like 30 seconds of telling the, the Andrea Doria story. Um, but it's also actually, now that I think about it, a really good example for the finale. Because I always love this scene. But the finale is essentially this for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right? This is 45 seconds. So maybe like, and obvi- you know, maybe like there was just so much fat. And in hindsight, and we'll, obviously we'll talk about this in nine months or something. That like maybe this should have been a sign for them. Just to like keep it, you know, just to do like t- five seconds of this person, five seconds instead of like four minutes with 20 different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I, but I like it and I'm giving George an A. Okay. Um, I will give it a B plus also. I really like that part at the end where we end up with George retelling the story, but I feel like that the Allen storyline uh, just really comes out of nowhere. It feels like that's just sort of like tacked on. I don't know if you want to give that to him or Elaine. It's like, Oh, we got to make all the stories connect. So Let's just randomly have this guy as the person who gets the apartment without any sort of explanation of why. And then mm-hmm. also, I feel like that the um, Andrea Doria survivor, I think he's kind of just there. They don't really do anything with him. They don't do anything with him. But just the idea that he has suffered more than an actual like victim of something serious is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I do like when George talks about how how many people does the average cruise ship lose. I think that's, that's a good joke. Yeah, that's I, very funny I, I highlighted that too. Okay. Uh, Kramer as... The dog. He turns and he has this cough, and then uh, he borrows a dog, and then he eventually becomes a dog. It's one of the storylines I'd say I, I go up and down on the most in the whole series because it's really dumb and it makes no sense, and it's like outside the realm of the series, like we said. And also, like in the last scene, like it's so absurd that they can't even understand what he's saying. And there's no reason the cops know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, Michael Richards nails like such a such a like a not whatever the opposite of a meaty role is like a mm-hmm. vegan role. I don't know. Yes. Um, and uh, so I, I give uh, I give it a B plus. Yeah, I, I'll give it a B. I, I think that it doesn't belong in the show, but Michael Richards does such a good job with it that he salvages it. Yeah, agree. OK. And what about Elaine with the bad breaker upper? Um, I, I you know, it, it's probably the D storyline in this episode. Uh, it's a funny concept. I love when he's, you know, when he, when I, I love the big head. I love the, just the idea of like, he comes in and out and is detestable. So I'll give that an A minus. A minus. Okay. I'm going to be harder on that. I feel like that there's not a ton there. And uh, the idea of the bad breaker upper is funny, but I don't feel like that there's anything that I really laughed at from this uh, part of the story. So I'll just give it a C. Okay. Okay, Keith. All right, so this is an episode where we're sort of at different points. Uh, I thought that this was an okay episode. You seem like you're higher on it. Um, in terms of your rankings, yep. I will guess that you have this at 71. No, I have it much higher than that. Much higher. Wow. How high? Yeah. I just love the idea of the Andrew Door. I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I just, there's not like a bad 
scene or line in this episode. I have it at 39. 39. Wow. I think that's yeah. the most I've ever been off. I think so. 32. Wow. That's probably the most. Yeah. Wow. Way, way off. Again, I think I, you know, that's uh, 71 would have been top half. 32. Um, the uh, 71 would be reasonable. I don't think this is a highly rated episode. Chester said that I only go according to the popular opinion because he's an insane person. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so this is me going against the grain. Okay. All right. So let's get into our big feedback bag once again to talk about what you guys are saying every week. Seinfeld at post show recaps. Keith, where should we start this week? Uh, let's start with a hater. Start with a hater. Greg <laughs> says only 49 sentences starting with, I mean, by Akiva last week. Not too bad. Not only is that a great insult, but I emailed Greg and said, are you being facetious or did you count? And he said, no, I counted. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I didn't realize I didn't, that. I, I didn't, didn't know. I, yeah. Did you know that I started any sentences with the words, I mean? I hadn't thought about it, but it's one of those things where this happens, where somebody then points out something that you do, and then everybody is then on it, where every, then every time you do it, and people say, oh, let me ask you a question. Is Greg and genius? This is the first time Greg's ever written in. Is he like an evil genius? And he is just doing the Alan version of the big head to me. Mm. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. It happened. Like maybe I ne- maybe I never say I mean. And he's now I'm certainly never going to say it again, although I probably said it 50 times this episode because I didn't think about it. Well, we have to go back and we can count left from last week's episode. Yeah. Let me know what my annoying ticks are, guys. No, don't really. Don't 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 open that door. Don't open that uh, bag of mail. (laughs) (laughs) You you sound like a like a trauma survivor of this. Yeah. Uh, Keeve, is it true that these emails had just been like uh, printed out and sitting in a bag on your desk until you decided uh, finally to open them to do on this podcast? That's right. Some of these were from like, you know, the like two years ago, three or something. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, here's Jay Webb who says four months ago, when I first came upon your podcast, I hatched an impossible plan to catch up with you as soon as possible by listening to every episode from the start. It seemed impossible. You were already into season seven, and I was starting with the pilot. Catching up in time to enjoy the last season or two would require a pace of more than a podcast a day, plus watching the episodes. Everything was working against me, from family and work responsibilities to the ever-increasing length of the podcast. But like Newman drinking Mellow Yellow, yes, it's a real drink. I've had it many times. I persevered. I have even listened to some of the episodes twice. I've had such a sense of accomplishment, like Kramer got working for Brant Leland. Now, can you help me meet my next goal? I want to get one of my emails read on the podcast. Uh, he had 10 observations. Uh, let's read some of them. Okay, t- some of them. Okay, so do you want, so since you've screened them, uh, so you just put the ones in here that you think made the cut. Yeah, let's listen, Rob. I, I, I wake up early in the morning and, uh, you know, cut this podcast down to size. Okay. Uh, this is uh, from the top 10 observations that J-Webb had. Uh, that's Webb with one B, not two. Okay. You need a legal correspondent before the finale. Every courtroom scene is one long-running violation of the rules of evidence. Chester may know his New York City neighborhoods, but for him not to point out the numerous legal errors in each courtroom episode is an offense for which he should be disbarred. I am a former trial attorney and judge, and I continue to practice law, I think it's time for this understudy to take over the overhyped Bette Midler that is Chester. Wow. Right. Strong start. Number one, he sort of buried the lead that he's a judge, so we should call him Judge J-Webb, not just J-Webb. That's what the J stands Um, for. 
Oh, that's true. He, yeah, it's uh, his name is uh, Weber, uh, you know, Davis. Yeah, but it's Judge Weber Davis. And and um, Chester, uh, ripping Chester in your first email. I feel like you, there's only you can only go down after that. Okay. What else uh, does he say? Rob really makes me feel better about my marriage. Mm-hmm. Look, yeah, he must have listened to an episode of the show. Okay. I just come out and look. I, I love my wife, but I just come out and I'm going to speak my truth. You know, I, I'm in trouble so much, Keeve, yeah. that I am that I have, am brazen. I am fearless because I'm like somebody who's like, uh, you know, I've I've had it all happen to me in terms of being in trouble with my wife. So she's that, uh, you know, I, I'm because I'm always in trouble. I now fear no punishments. I hear you. Okay. Um, he also takes a shot at me. Wheels is not a nerd. Jay Webb says he's clearly a dork. Thank you. Okay. Is that better? No, I think that's even worse. It's even worse. Uh, also, J Webb says, I'm really worried that if one of your wives listens to the podcast, you won't be allowed to finish it. No need to worry about that, J Webb. Yeah, the least of anybody's concerns. <laughs> if my wife's job was to listen to this podcast, she wouldn't listen to it. <laughs> uh, also, Seinfeld swaps out actors for characters all the time. Lloyd Braun, Jerry's dad, George's parents. If Wheel suffers a catastrophic health incident due to a poor diet and chronic sitting, I suggest you just plug in Amir and act like nothing happened. Wow. That's a vote for Amir. Okay. And then finally, J-Webb says, I'll miss your podcast when the run ends. And if you decide to pair up on another project, I'll listen to it, whatever it is, unless it's about Suddenly Susan. All right. Very nice email, Judge J-Webb. Thank you. Thank or you. Or just Judge, uh, Judge Webb. Thank you, Judge <laughs> Webb. Okay. Uh, Dom from Massapequa. What does he have to say? Uh, in response to the abstinence last week, when Wheels tried to say that uh, it was the most unbelievable thing in the series. What was the most unbelievable thing in the series? I think that uh, George was hitting home runs. Oh, right. That George. Oh, right. George smacking home runs in Yankee Stadium. Uh, he disagrees. Dom from Massapequa says the most unbelievable day or the most unbelievable thing to happen is that Jerry would go back to his old school for career day. Growing up in Massapequa like Jerry, we did have career day and Jerry definitely never came back for it. But Jerry has never come back to Massapequa for anything. Interestingly enough, I would say 90% of the people from Massapequa would say Alec Baldwin is the most famous person from our town, but he'll come back in town usually once a year, and the teachers at the school always brag that they taught him and his brothers. Nobody ever mentions Jerry. It's interesting. Did Jerry have a falling out with Massapequa? I think I just found like our way in to get Jerry on the podcast. Yes. To do what? To talk about Massapequa? Yeah. We're gonna, we, we already had the idea at the beginning of the episode. Maybe we're, maybe we're thinking too small. We're like... You're a therapist and you're bringing the two podcasters. I just realized that has a tale of like one episode. Mm -hmm. But what if like every episode you did, like it could be a married couple. It could be anything. And then in the season one finale, even though that's not really a podcast, in episode 10, mm -hmm. and then we'll go away with, you know, spend their money for five years. Yeah. Like Sarah in Kenny. audio Netflix. Yes. The final episode of season one is Jerry Seinfeld and the town of Massapequa. And you try and bring them back together. Mm -hmm. I like this. It's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, in this show, Seinfeld, did Jerry grow up on Long Island? I mean, I, he went to high school in Queens, right? And he lived near Jerry. Mm -hmm. George. I, he may meant he, he lived near George. I, he may have lived there at some point, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I don't think so. Um, when they go out on Long Island during uh, they have to go to the party, 
It doesn't seem like, oh, yeah, I have to go back out to Long Island. Like, he seems uh, to not have any sort of familiarity with it or fondness for it. So, But who would be? Would it be Dom from Massapequa? What about the mayor? Can we get the mayor of Massapequa? The mayor of Massapequa? The, the current mayor of Massapequa? Current, well, what do you want? Like a retired mayor of Massapequa? I mean, maybe the mayor that he might have, like, I don't know if he has anything, any relationship with the current mayor do you have, of Do you have something to do with, the, like, the, when you were in Wontaw, did you were you, like, buddies with the mayor? First of no. all. But as as like true Long Island boys, we should both know, I think most Long Island towns don't even have a mayor. Right. Oh, really? A lot of them are like I, part I, of like yeah. the town of Hem. I think a lot of them are part of like the town of Hempstead. Yeah, and there's just I, like a I, town. I don't know if there is a mayor of Wanton. Yeah. No, I don't. Woodmere definitely did not have a mayor. Mm. Um, uh, everyone it's like a hamlet. Everyone has their own ridiculous rules. But um, yeah, I think this is a good idea. I feel like we've got the first 10 episodes of the show booked. Episode 10, Jerry versus Massapequa. Mm, okay we'll see if we can try to uh make the case maybe you know that he doesn't like it he's not proud of it alec baldwin you can get him on there maybe alec baldwin could represent massapequa Ooh, we could get jerry and alec baldwin together i mean man we're gonna blow this this podcast is gonna be way bigger than the seinfeld podcast yeah okay maybe we can't get alec baldwin maybe we can get one of the other baldwins okay i mean he's probably from massapequa too same parents right yeah i'm sure okay. steven's available okay uh Johnny DeSilvera wants to know, is saying blind date really that offensive? That's what they referred to me as my date when I was on First Dates Canada. Shameless plug by Johnny. A real shameless plug by Johnny DeSilvera, <laughs> right? That's yes. on YouTube, right? Johnny DeSilvera's First Dates Canada. Um, I, I don't know. Johnny will link to it in his, okay. uh, in his Twitter, I'm sure. Yes. Okay. What about Mass- Matt in Massachusetts? Um, he says, Jerry seemed very surprised that Elaine ordered more bread, but back in the opposite, Elaine stopped. Yep. To uh, yeah, we really said this already, but it's true. <laughs> great minds think alike, Matt. Okay. What about uh, Caleb from Atlanta with uh, another great question? He says, uh, Robert Kiva, do you have any crazy ex girlfriend stories? If not, do you feel like you'd have better luck with the ladies if you did have stories like that? No, I, I don't have any crazy ex girlfriends because all of my crazy girlfriend stories are with my wife. Well, I was gonna think like Scott Walkerman has a joke where like. He refers to his wife as his ex-girlfriend because they're not boyfriend-girlfriend anymore. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, using the Scott Walkman rules, we have many stories. <laughs> many stories. We've told them already. No, I don't really have any sort of, like, uh, crazy ex-stories that uh, probably very believably not stab-worthy. Yeah, I don't have anything good either. Okay. We weren't cool enough. Here's Lindsay. Uh, and she wants to know, have you ever been passed over for a job you really wanted? Last year, there was a job I was positive I was going to get but kept trying to downplay my confidence to my friends. I was completely shocked when I didn't get it. Yeah, I when I applied to NBC and ESPN and I, I had like the grade, I took the ESPN test and I scored really well. And then I had like another oral test and he said like I did as well as anybody ever. Mm-hmm. And then I just never heard from them again. But I was already like looking for ha- for like houses in Connecticut yeah. before I ever like even met them. But so I guess that would be my job, the ESPN. Uh, one time I applied to be on Big Brother and I thought I was going to be on it. And then mm-hmm. I didn't get on. Right. But that's what led you to Survivor, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, it eventually worked out. But um, I, I'm sure I applied for a lot of different jobs that uh, that I wanted to get. But I don't know if I, I was ever confident that I was going to get it. Yeah. I usually assume I didn't get a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. OK. Uh, what about uh, the great Dan, the benefactor? Uh, he says uh, he can't. He doesn't agree with Elaine here, who, which says when you say mean things, uh, who is saying mean things you don't mean when you break up? This is confusing, Dan. Seems quite, it seems quite vindictive to say mean things. In my experience, you either say the mean things that you mean, which he says is the truth, or nice things you don't mean. It's not you, it's me. Even in the show's history with so many breakups, 
when does someone say mean things they don't mean? All right, this is a confusing email. Do you get it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He thinks that why would you lie about things uh, in a breakup? Why would you throw things out there that, that aren't true in a, in a breakup situation? Either you don't care enough to um, say a mean thing or you do care enough and you say mean things that are real. Um, I, I hear you. I, I do think there is definitely a concept of winning the breakup that we're not factoring in here. Mm, very important to win the breakup. It's, yeah. it's, it's a bad, otherwise you're on a losing streak going into your next relationship. Right. Uh, who do you feel like, uh, won the breakup between the Mets and Daniel Murphy? Ooh, I mean, I guess, you know, what the Nationals do last year? Do they win the World Series? No, no, no. I, ah, re- so then probably- I, I really <laughs> thought the Mets won the breakup. At the time. Yeah, I really did. But then Daniel Murphy like uh, lost some weight and got you know got into like uh, beach shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. Then he was like, okay, well I'm going to show them. But you know the Daniel Murphy that we dumped, uh, I felt good about breaking up with that guy. Also, like don't forget, like there was a reason we broke up with him. He was a bad person. Yes, he was very attractive, <laughs> but he you know but his soul is ugly. Right, right. You just said some very <laughs> controversial things. Okay, uh, what about Patton NYC? He says, if Clarence Eldridge and HC decided he wanted the apartment, why didn't George consider moving to Eldridge's current unit in that building? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, but doesn't George already live in this building? Like, no, he maybe lives they the have the street. This... Oh, maybe he has, maybe he has like, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's not a two bedroom, one bath, make your friends jealous apartment. Yeah, maybe this is like the penthouse. Yeah, although you'd assume like they are so into George's story. It's a rare scenario where George has not burnt his bridge at this point. I wonder if they were just like, okay, George, next time something opens, you're number one on our list. Yeah, on the waiting list. And and go slip the super 100 buck. Well, yeah, now that you know the uh, the in. I mean, $50 yeah. seems like a really insanely low amount for a bribe. For a Manhattan apartment that's like in, you know, in demand, $1,000 is low. Right. I, I can only imagine what the security deposit is going to be on this place. Yeah, that's insane. Like the super must have really been like hard up for 50 I mean, bucks. you go to look at an apartment, you pay a $50 like, application fee to run a credit check right the only thing i'm thinking is like if he took a thousand dollars maybe get fired whereas he could say oh this is just a tip 50 bucks mm-hmm. maybe he's lying also he's a it says bad things this guy yeah, he is a bad guy that's true anything he says is questionable okay uh certainly not a bad guy what about amir what does he have to say uh amir says so alan has a history of being incredibly rude and insulting yet elaine's friend in quotations sets her up with him anyway why would you set up any friends with Alan? He's an awful human being. Mm, maybe it was like a Sue Ellen Mishki type friend. I, I was thinking someone someone emailed in and said which friend set him up. I, I do think it's Sue Ellen Mishki. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, and what else from Amir? Uh, he says, we already established back in season five that women don't know about shrinkage. Unless George goes into a lot more detail, his story of the tenant board is likely lost with two of the three board members. Hmm. Yes, um, but if but again, says, we don't see the whole thing here. It's really just almost a montage, right? But if he just, gives the backstory of I was in the pool and it was cold and there was significant shrinkage, right? Uh, I, I feel like that that's more of the um, is that more context than what was given in that episode? And again, like if he says eight things that are great, even if this one's not a home run, he's still fine. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, the return of the great Chester email segment. Or, as it's written here, the creator of the largest Tommy Laren fan page on Tumblr, Alexander Chester. I didn't even know Chester was on Tumblr. Oh, yeah. Big Tommy Laren fan. Yeah. Okay. They call him uh, Tum- Tumblr Tommy, right? <laughs> I think that's what they would call her, not him. Okay. Or well, maybe him. I don't know. <laughs> he's running the fan page. Uh, how did Kramer get the coughing dog? The dog walker just gave it to a creep who commented on a dog's cough. How do you keep your gig as dog walker with that kind of professionalism? 
again, it was a different era. You people just gave dogs the people they like. Like you know how if you say like, oh, I like your shirt, then the person gives you your shirt. It was like that with dogs in the mid nineties. Yeah, he's just borrowing it. Yeah, maybe he was Kramer struck up a friendship. You don't know. He's got the Kavorka. Yeah, Kramer does have a certain appeal to him, and also maybe this guy's not a dog walker. Maybe he's just got ten dogs, so he doesn't mind giving one away, especially a sick one. Yeah, and maybe you know that it was like uh, that in the same way that Kramer. In the same way Newman is getting Jerry to deliver his mail, maybe Kramer's like, oh, yeah, let me borrow this dog. I'll walk him every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then Chester adds, Jerry is delivering mail that Newman's been storing in the storage locker for months in order to get the promotion, but wouldn't the sudden delivery of very old mail raise more suspicions? If I got months old mail, I would probably be suspicious and contact the post office. Oh, Chester's such a narc. I just, th- I love the idea of him narking and like, uh, Okay, is this the post office? No, uh, I want to speak to your boss. I want to speak to who's in, who's the vice president of the whole post office. Yeah, why did I get all this mail today? That's two <laughs> months old. You know what the postmark is on this? Like Chester's gonna like bill them for his time. Also, when he's done. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that would be very upsetting to get that phone call. I'm sure you probably wait a long time on. That. I think that you probably hang up before you got a hold of somebody. And customer service at the post office on that one. And he he probably have one of his 40 um, doormen do the do this call for him. <laughs> well, one of the doormen might get fired over this. Well, no, Chester likes the doormen. Yeah, that's why he won't leave that building. OK. All right, Keeve. Uh Fun stuff. Uh, you have a hashtag for this week? Uh, no, uh, for the 130 whatever week in a row. I forgot to write. Yes. Down. Uh, I did write down audio Netflix. OK, let's go. Okay. Let's do it. We'll go with that. Uh, what's coming up next week? Okay, next week we have uh, cockfighting. We have jail dating. We got bad checks. It's the Little Jerry. Little Jerry. Boom. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's all happening. Who, and then uh, you'll let us know during the week if we have Pedro Martinez or Mike Vick. I will definitely mention it to you if we have either Pedro <laughs> Martinez or Michael Vick on the podcast. Wow. Okay. So, all right, we'll get your Pedro Martinez questions in. Pedro mostly tweets in Spanish. So I feel like if I learn Spanish this week, uh, you, you know, I will commit to a bit. Like if I learn Spanish this week, it would definitely help us get him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't Pedro Martinez also used to have like a little person that would he would uh, go around? But that, that guy die. He definitely faded from the public guy. I'm not sure if he's dead. Yeah. Okay. He had like a like a mini Pedro Martinez at one point. Yeah. I, we really underrated. He was Pedro was an awesome dude. Yeah, we've got like a million things to uh, talk about with uh, with Pedro Martinez. Um, yeah, let's see. Um, I think that. Uh, yes, he passed in 2006. Nelson okay. De La Rosa. Oh. Good luck charm for the Red Sox. OK. All right. Well, sorry to bring this podcast <laughs> down with a, not a fun fact, not with a not fun fact. Somebody went to the alternate side. <laughs> Pedro Martinez's uh, friend. All right. It's been 10 years since uh, it happened. All right. Keeve. Uh, what else? 32 fans? Oh, 32 fans. We ranked the uh, last 20 Super Bowls by by levels of excitement. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought we had smart listeners, but most people have agreed with Chester's list. So I'm sort of like, re, you know, reevaluating everything in life. Yeah. I like that idea for a podcast. I, I thought that that was a good idea to do just the last 20. I, I listened to the point where you guys got to the first one on the list and then um that, that's how long it took me to make lunch and then i moved on to something so you else. like the idea but not enough to hear it i get no, it No, i'll go it. back and listen to it i just didn't have like an hour and a half to listen to the podcast at the time I well you know what my original idea was right you wanted to watch all 50 super bowls i with chester and i were going to watch all 50 except chester said no because he's a coward yeah 
That's a I, good bit. Rewatch all 50. I mean, and 25-25, we would have split. We could have drafted Super Bowls, like which one's going to watch which one. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of get the feeling they're probably like the, you know, 73 Super Bowls, probably unwatchable. You, this, like the January 73 one, you mean? Fourteen seven game. Well, probably both. But I just feel like that the game is like going to be like without any of the graphics on the screen. I feel like it's really annoying it. not to know the score and the time is even worse. Like the score, right. you can kind of like intuit. The time is really frustrating. It's just sort of like just watching and like grainy I'd say, footage. I'd say number it's not as grainy as you as you'd think, but it's it, and it's been remastered a lot of them. But like I'd say number one is the time. It's frustrating not to have the time. You were really spoiled. Number two is the score. But number three, the line. It's annoying not to know where the first down line is either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like, no, it's the replay. Like you see a bad call and it's like, all right, on to the next play. Right. The 73 Super Bowl, 73 season Super Bowl is, uh, you know, Dolphins 14, Redskins 7. So seems yeah. like a real. And, and it's, well, it's you know, 14 nothing, and then Gary Upremian fumbles and the Redskins score a touchdown. Right. Right. Seems like a real <laughs> barn burner. There's some, okay. there's some clunkers. Really, the, the last 20 have been the better ones. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Because uh, the NFL finally decided to fix the Super Bowls and then uh, get them closer. Should we solicit for you to, uh, if anyone has a really cool Super Bowl party that they can invite Rob to? <sighs> I mean, if it's close, I think what I'm getting roped into, uh, I think, is uh, probably be podcasting about the uh, 24 premiere. So I probably don't want to leave uh, my, uh, you know, go and go anywhere. Uh, yeah, but you do know. you have to do that live? You can't wait a couple hours and do that later? Uh, well, I'm going to do it with Josh, who's on the East Coast. So it's like uh, mm-hmm. like a couple hours is going to be like 3 a.m. for him. I'm sure he'll be watching the Super Bowl with bated breath. <laughs> Ready to go. I mean, right. maybe watch Super Bowl. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So don't invite Rob to your party, but only if he lives within, you know, like the very close L.A. area. Yes, that'd be fine. All right. Uh, sounds good. Uh, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, who uh, tirelessly edits the Seinfeld recap podcast week after week counting down the days till when we reach the finale of Seinfeld. Oh, he's going to be a, the saddest person in the room. <laughs> and of course, thanks so much to uh, Mike Moore, who writes our recap every week of the Seinfeld post-show recap on postshowrecaps.com. You can subscribe to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Keith, anything else? Yeah, worst of luck to Mike Moore next week. Okay, there you go. Take care, everybody. Bye. 